five, four, three, three two, two, one. <laughs> Such a dick. Such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a roaring start. We this this is going to be. We wanted something special for the tenth, uh, the tenth edition here, the tenth episode. It, I can't believe it's been ten years already for the Mosby Learning Podcast. There are uh, welcome, days. ladies and yeah, <laughs> it's, it feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? It's like we've all been married for a while. So how long have you been married? Oh oh wow, that long. Sometimes it feels long. Sometimes it's so short. Yeah. But sometimes it feels so much longer. Uh, this is in fact number number ten. So we've made it this far kids that's all right uh, mosby.ca slash zero one zero that's like zero ten uh, if you're keeping score at home my name is dan Hurt. i'm uh, i'm dialed in here from mississauga ontario and my name is adam Kostlik, so i'm dialed in here from dallas texas cynthia gibbs from the greater metroplex of dallas there you go. That sounds much more impressive than uh, than the double tree that you were at last time. Well, there's hotels across the world for double tree. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, w- welcome uh, and thank you guys for uh, for downloading this episode and uh, giving us a listen. If you have any, I'm going to say if you have any requests in the future, because there's a couple things that I want to talk about that uh, that I've kind of bounced some ideas around with some other people that uh, that have been listening. And if there's something that you want to put into our mix, let us know. Uh, MosbyLearning at gmail.com is how you can get a hold of us. Uh, yeah, you can reach any one of us out there. But um you know, I I actually this this conversation we're going to talk about two big things I think. We should one have the, a little uh, one, jingle, like Mosby Learning. We should. Well, we why should. don't we just make that into a jingle? <laughs> like milestone electric. It's kind of like one of those things, like milestone electric. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know Milestone Electric. What is this? It's, it's a local It's an electric thing. company. Yeah, and the DFW. And there's a guy. He's kind of a chunky guy. And he always runs his fist in the air and kind of goes, Mos- we'll be there in a flash. And it's good. It's kind of like Mosby Learning. We'll be there in and a flash. And he wears, he wears a Santa hat during Christmas commercials. Yeah, everybody loves this guy. So he's like a local local ad guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we've got a few of those up here in Toronto, not, too. Yeah, he's not bi-national yet, but... You, Milestone Electric is coming up. <laughs> um, Out of okay, so the uh, the two things, regardless of what state you're in uh, and what uh, what local talent you're seeing on TV, we're going to talk about two things today. We're going to talk about. Uh, I'm hoping that we're going to get to both of these personality assessments. Uh, I saw something on LinkedIn the other day. That uh, that kind of it, it took my blood pressure up a couple notches because I've had some experience uh, on the on the business end of personality assessments. So we're gonna talk about that. Uh, we also want to talk about virtual sessions. We we kind of we did like an overall overarching conversation of that a little while ago, you know. And um, there's a lot there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of different elements to it and one of the i don't want to put people off if you don't do virtual virtual sessions or host them i mean if you've attended one or if you attended any sort of session we're going to try to look specifically at some of the the sticky points of them uh we're going to we're talk about that a little bit later but i did have uh i don't want to put you guys off too early in the game here i did happen to put a poem together uh about 
virtual sessions if if we're game for this sort of thing i'd love to hear it i, I was sh- uh, having my kids listen to your poem from last week about really the rectangles yeah they're wow. very impressed very impressed about we were rectangles. <laughs> uh, it, it was right up there in the conversation we were talking about shelf silverstein dan hurt yes. right in the hey, same conversation there. well you know he <laughs> I see is where this great is going I, I, okay, there was a guy that picked me out of a line. I think I was in a, out of, at a cash register one time and the, the kid said to me, uh, oh, it was at a bookstore. It's a used bookstore. And, uh, the girl behind the register said, uh, you know, you look a lot like, uh, the, and she didn't have the name of the person. She said like the giving tree guy or something like that. And, and I said, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I wasn't really excited about that. I wasn't excited the fact that she drew the connection because, I mean, just Einstein. I, I mean, it, you're an aspiring it, poet. No, but that's not. I mean, that right has there. nothing to do with the overall look of weirdness. Uh, he wasn't a handsome man. I would say he looked a little creepy. So, um, and I, you know, I don't. I don't think he'll take offense to that if he ever. No. Comes, I guess it's better dead? than you I know with, with the mustache. It's better than uh, being compared to like Salvador Dali. <laughs> yeah, I haven't his, got that one yet. No, I have yeah, not got that. I was gonna say because that mustache, you know, kind of goes up there. So, <laughs> but Shell Service Dean Dan Hurt were talking at my dinner table about last week's poem. So it is wow. Uh, All it's right. definitely getting a lot of play at the house here. I'm getting in rotation. All right, mm-hmm. so let, let me let me throw uh, let me drop a little more poetry on here, kids. Uh, and this is in fact about virtual sessions. Uh, some people make it look easy. Login, then camera, then action. Trying to make it all painless. How was your satisfaction? It's nice to bring some info, too. Did you get everything that you need? The facilitator was helpful to you engaging, or did they just read? It's a lot harder than some make it look. The prep, the practice, the patter. Showing up early, making tech work. Small things unseen that matter. If you find yourself in a virtual session just watching the minutes tick by, then open the menu and find the chat box. Hop on your keyboard, say hi. That was what I call virtually there. Wow, that was quicker than last time. Yeah, I get that a lot. That's, um... (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. It was definitely pretty good. You know, we are definitely going to have to drop that, uh, that poem into our presentation when we go to March to the eLearning Guild conference. I'll probably have a couple more by then. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you will. Kinda... I, you know, but let's just keep it to one for the virtual session. We can provide well, a book of poems as the giveaway. That would be that's something. That's that's something worth talking about. All right. So that was uh, yeah. That was uh, that was another bit of poetry that. Uh, and if you liked it, hey, let me know. You know, mosbylearning at gmail.com. Because his head's uh, not big so- enough. That's right. No, I need to get all the positive reinforcement that I possibly can. If there were ribbons for <laughs> unsolicited <laughs> poetry, I would have got one just then. <laughs> all right. So there. Okay. That, so th- this thing, uh, this personality assessment business that um, that got me all fired up. I saw. Uh, you know, I looked at my LinkedIn notifications the other day. Again, the only social media platform that I am currently on. I really hope I don't have to join others, but never say never. Um, but it was it was it was it wasn't even a note of a like a normal one. It just said like, "Hey, 
this topic is trending. So it wasn't this post is trending under this hashtag. It was this topic is trending. So I don't know what the hell LinkedIn's trying to get across, but uh, the the gist was. Hang on, what what was the uh, the gist of it? There was something that said, you know, they're they're they they can be good even though they're not so great sometimes. Um, so I don't know. I, I just wanted to open this up right away and say, have, have you what personality assessments have you guys been exposed to in the past? Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Sure. So, so I'm certified in DISC. Uh, I was also certified in TDF theory. And then I've been not a full practitioner with uh, MBTI. Uh, interestingly enough, I've also am working right now with Wonderlick and Predictive Index. Okay, so let's mm-hmm. take these one at a time for folks sure. that aren't familiar with the acronyms, because uh, believe me, un- until you until you get steeped in them, uh, you you don't you don't know them. So uh, the first one, DISC. Uh, what's what's the what's the short version of of what DISC does? If you sure. Were to so be part so of it. basically, it puts you into four quadrants, right? It's it based on research from William Marston, and it's really what a lot of the basis from a modern perspective a lot of these personality tests are based on right you have your dominance you have um your high i each one of the d i s and c kind of stands for a different type of personality trait so you have your high d's who are really gung-ho they got to move action orientated kind of get things done you have your high eyes those are the people that they like to talk to people that are the people people you have your s's they're more of your carers, the kumbaya, bring everybody together. And then you have your high C's, which are people who are more analytics, you know, going to analytic parts. And so it really just kind of segments people at a high level. It does pretty well at just kind of saying, hey, what are some of the surface traits that we can look at? You know, I've, I've been doing DISC for, I think I was surviving, uh, probably 10 years ago. Eight years ago, and we've—I mean, you and I've done it. We've done it in different classes. Yeah. We've done it to different things. It's a really good predictor to get a surface level conversation and say, "Hey, you know what? This person is this. They tend to gravitate towards this." Um, I think it's really good in sales for the simple fact that it can help you understand your customer quicker. But it's not the only thing, and and that's really where a lot of these kind of fall fall flat on their face. But DISC is kind of a predictive analytics, you know, looking at MBTI, that's Myers-Briggs. That's, I think, if I remember right, it's like 24 different segments that go in. Maybe it's 18, something like that, um, of different, different, whether you're an introvert, extrovert. There's also TDF theories not used as much. And I know Cynthia can talk about TDF theory too. It's something we use at HSBC where you look at the world within three lenses and they overshadow each other. So you have your high... D T is technical, F is more your feeler, and then you have your high D, which is kind of still that doer, and they're different lenses. And then finally, the last two that I'm looking at right now for our sales folks are predictive index, which is kind of an inventory of skills and what they do well, um, which I actually pulled mine up so you can kind of hear about mine if we would get into that. And then Wonderlick, which Wonderlick, a lot of people know that every NFL quarterback actually takes a Wonderlick skill test, which is more of, it's a personality test, but it's also a aptitude test that goes into it too. And don't, Would you say don't everybody forget the knows strength it? finders. Not, oh, strength finders too. Yeah. I want to say everybody knows. I said a lot of people know that because if they watch the NFL, NFL quarterbacks have to take it when they go into the combine. 
Interesting. And so, uh, growing up on a farm, combine, of course, has a very different connotation. Um, well, they take it too. They what now? They take it too. I mean, that's heavy machinery. You got to take that. And that's they learn right. oh, audibles they take? too. Uh, speaking of sponsors so hang on so cynthia you 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 had mentioned something at the end there don't forget what did you say skill skill Uh, skill strength finders by marcus buckingham so what's oh yeah marcus buckingham your your training crush right my british crush yes your british crush i think okay so hang on Why do, why do British people get like the extra ten percent crush worthiness like right out of the gates? It's their accent. I, I think something needs to be done about this. They tried to they literally tried to take over the world. They're every bad guy ever in the movies, and yet we can't help ourselves. It's not just you. So it's so here's a you, fun James. fact. So uh, my husband watches a lot of things about you know. Let's see how much our people know about history. And I was totally thinking of you, Adam, since you were a history major. I was. Yes, we're digressing for a second. Um, And I guess they were interviewing people. And they said out of like all the wars, which ones do you think were, you know, the ones that definitely we should have fought, etc. And someone said, well, World War II was probably really important because, you know, we took over the United States from the British God bless them. <laughs> it's it's kind of close. I mean, bless yeah, your heart. Yeah, that's that's two hundred years. <laughs> that's close enough. People don't really know history. You don't get don't get bogged down in the dates. It happened, and it's kind of all blurs together. <laughs> that's what I always say. You know, you you figure out those history papers. And you're like, let's not get bogged down in the dates. And, I do kind of think it was important to know though who our allies were and who yeah. we were fighting against yeah, in each war. Well, yeah. Well, it's a matter of time until your allies become, you know, your enemies, and then then it switches back around again. <laughs> but back to hey, the accent so- thing. It, it, before we get into that, back to the accent thing, though. Like, have you ever heard German people talk? Like, did, did, that's not going to help them, right? Like, the British people, they have a great accent. German, they, you know, not so much. Yeah, you know, it's just classy. So well, it's, it's assertive. It depends what you're trying to accomplish, I suppose. That's true. If you're going to take over the world, have the German yeah. accent. Do you need trains to run on time? Get yourself a German. There you go. Um, so okay, so skill, skill, strength finders. Your, mm-hmm. your British strength finding. What what uh, what British strengths are we talking about? So how many? So it was this assessment you took, and what it told you, and what Marcus Buckingham is all about is celebrating. We we spend too much time um, working and trying to help people with areas of development and focusing on their weaknesses rather than celebrating their strengths and using them. So he's all about, we need to understand what our strengths are and what it means to us and because these and how to utilize them so that we're happy and engaged and motivated to, you know, keep doing the things we're doing because it's our strengths. And then on top of that, if your manager knew what your strengths were, then they could understand you better and how to lead and manage you better. And so, um, gosh, there's like what, 30? 30 no, to 40? I, I think it's about the 20, 20 range. 20, 20 different mm-hmm. strengths. And through the uh, strength finder test, it tells you what your top five are. It doesn't tell you like this is number one, two, three, four, and five, but just says these are your top five. Um mm. And yeah, so it's pretty interesting. And I 
and he's not at all like don't work on your areas of development but we need to focus on your strengths more than your your weaknesses yeah so dan with marcus he takes a lot of the contrarian view right so so many people come in and they're like hey you're you're not very good at that let's double down and work and work so hard on hey if you suck at this we should fix that what he (laughs) says is just exploit your strengths and, you know, yeah, you have to get to a certain level on where your weaknesses are. But, like, he just wrote a new book. Um, I believe it's called Nine, Nine Lies About Work. And, like, for example, a lot of people think people f- crave feedback. It, you know, that's kind of like one of those things people say in corporate. You know, people love to get feedback. They want to improve. No, they don't. Nope. They don't want to get. They, they don't want feedback. Nobody wants feedback. And uh, it kind of goes Wait through this. Why, why, why are we jumping to that conclusion? I've always oh, appreciated so feedback people like when feedback, my managers... but, but people don't crave feedback. And um, he goes through this whole whole thing. And he, I, I got mm. to see him speak um, two years ago at, at ATD. And he talked a lot about the new book and just these common things that we say. I was like, well, not really. People, you know, people don't do that. It's bestseller book and everything like that. So it's pretty interesting. And I think hmm. it's it's partly too. I I mean I think human nature is people don't like feedback, but if you give them experiences and coach them and help them understand, you know why it can help bring out uh, more potential in you, then it does get a little easier. I think inherently no one likes feedback, but if you understand the why. And the and who it's coming from, then I think it, it gets a little easier. And it yeah, I think kind of like I sales call reluctance, right? So, so yeah, so so I just pulled it up to, to to tell you exactly kind of the gist of that. The line number five is people need feedback. Truth, he, what he says, right? What Marcus says, and what he writes the whole chapter about is people need attention because we all want to be seen who we are at our best. Mm-hmm. And he goes through a couple other ones, right? Lie, people care for which company they work for. That's a lie. People care which team they're on is mm-hmm. the truth, is what he says, right? And he kind of goes through um, some of the other ones that are really, ooh, kind of foreshadowed to last week's episode if people didn't want to hear about the performance reviews. Can you foreshadow to last week's episode? <laughs> Can you do that? Is that backwards? Is that, we're is jumping forward and backshadowing? Is it back channel? Is that a word? I don't know. I think it's. Call- I think it might be a callback. I don't know. A callback to last week's episode where we talked about reviews and performance reviews and my, a lot of my thoughts on that. But line number six is people can reliably rate other people. Yeah. And what no. he says is people can reliably rate their own experience. Yep. And he writes chapters on it. Well, perception. Well, who? I, I, okay. Well, it's 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 easy for me to disagree with the the three words that you're putting together to summarize his thoughts, but um, I really want to disagree with that one. Who's to say that I can I can have a gauge on how successful I am? I mean, that doesn't. How, how do you even know what's in your head half the time? That seems Rachel like it's a lot trickier. Because you can talk about your experience. Yeah, but. But I think your experience is going to be tinged by maybe a bad day, which actually that's maybe an appropriate segue into this. So um, the reason that this personality assessment thing got me so fired up is because I had uh, an experience with uh, Calib- 
caliper, caliper, not caliber. Well, I had both, I guess, but uh, my caliper assessment that I uh, that I completed to do the job that I'm in today. My boss, she's like, ah, this guy seems pretty good. Let's do this and just vet him a little bit further. And what actually happened is I almost didn't get the goddamn job. Because um, my experience at the time was not a pleasant one. I was going through uh, probably one of the more stressful times of my life. You know, we were relocating to a new country. Uh, my wife was in the hospital. Well, technically we were... not a new country. Well, it wasn't the one we were living in for the past you're, six years. You're right. It's, it wasn't a new country. It's one that I had been your... to. Yeah, no, I was I was going home, and that's true. But uh, you know, we still had to sort out all of our all of the details that come with living. It, it's it's like it's like going to a continent you've been before. It's like okay, it's no, it's you've been there before, but really, where do you buy your groceries? Who uh, who do you have to pay to make sure the lights down? That sort of stuff. Uh, so we were going through all that stuff, and and like I say, my wife was in the hospital with a kind of a, a tricky pregnancy. Everything went terrific, so don't worry. But. Um, it was like the world was upside down for us. And I had the privilege of filling out this stupid goddamn questionnaire for 45 minutes. Uh, literally the day I was moving from one temporary living arrangement to another temporary living arrangement. So, um, she got these results, my, uh, my boss. And she said, Oh, Oh, it turns out Dan's a bit of a psychopath. Um, and, and maybe we shouldn't hire him. Uh, she's like, What's that? Did you have a bad day when you took this? Exam? I was having a I was having a bad six months uh, six month period there. <laughs> there was I'm we went through say, some things, friend. I am gonna say that uh, you know I'm reviewing your report here, and mm -hmm. it, it is pretty interesting. And, and quite frankly, I'm pretty surprised you got the job after seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. So there's there's some there's some highlights, there's some lowlights. And just and this is this is why I really am not a fan of um these are these are kind of a fun tool. There's something that you can use to find value uh and maybe start spark a, spark a discussion between you and somebody else about maybe the differences that you have, the differences in the way that you perceive the world to be or or your preferences and by discussing mine and you discussing yours, then we can kind of see where those gaps. I see where those differences are and understand better how to bridge those gaps when we work together. And that's, you know, we've done uh, the three of us together and then each of us have done to so me and Gibbs and Adam and, and Gibbs and me and Adam, we've all kind of done disc stuff together. That first one where it puts you into a different quadrant. We've done those pieces together and it's always a really, really fun, energizing session to do with people because everybody likes to I don't know what it is with the fascination of labels. You know, everybody's like, oh, shit, I'm a D. Woo. <laughs> or, you know, eyes are the best. Woo. All that sort of weird stuff, right? Like, I don't know where that comes from, but uh, it's definitely in full force when you do personality assessment stuff. People become very proud of both their 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 strengths and their weaknesses. But well, it's kind um, of why, like, like, psychics work, right? People come in and they want to gravitate. They want to believe that you can just pigeonhole people into different mm -hmm. categories because it makes it easy to explain. Well, psychics may be right in that point because <laughs> there's some very successful ones out there. Um, whatever happened to Miss Cleo? Whatever happened to her, guys? Oh, she died. I think she went to jail. <gasps> she I died. She Gibbs, no, would you be able died. to look this up right now? Can you can you can you Google her for us, yeah. please? So, Thank you. can if you hear a dog oh, if you're barking, talking, I'm googling. <laughs> oh, I'm already barking. googling. She's dead. Yeah, she, she died. She died in 2016. Yeah, a while ago. Fifty-three. I bet you she didn't see that coming. 
<laughs> All right. So, okay, so can I say something? So there's Please, two different... that's why you're here. There's two different... I, I mean, I, I, I looked at the, the LinkedIn stuff and how it was trending and some different comments people were making. And, uh-huh. you know, and I, so I think there's different type of personality assessments, um, much like the ones that... You um, took the caliper and then the Wonderlook and the predictive index, you know, to help us determine what what kind of people are these uh, and will they fit within the team dynamics. And then the things like DISC and TDF and Myers-Briggs and, you know, even the Thomas uh, Kilman conflict model is another one, too, about how you deal with conflict. Uh, that is a, a personality assessment. And one of the people made I thought made a really good point about those kinds of things uh, like the disc and the TDF and um, she was saying that um, you know every t- t- in today's world there's so much out there on the internet that when you do the free assessments or the free things it's like mm. yeah it's a fun thing to do but it really doesn't help you really understand truly what that it's all about and the actual assessments that you can take that, you know, you obviously have to pay for, like TDF or a strong disc one, etc. And then the training afterwards and digging really into it is where you get the most out of it. But if you just use something free, it's not going to be really impactful. Can can you clarify something for me? Is that doing it free on your own on Saturday night with like a, a glass of wine, or yeah. is that free having your team do it for free because you got to do twelve and you don't want to put out one hundred and fifty bucks per? Like wh- which which side do you think that falls on? I think it can fall on both sides. Um, okay. I well, the, the the reason I ask is because if you do it by yourself, yeah, that's nothing more than like which. Hogwarts class would you be a part of like that shit but um, mm-hmm. if, if you do it with other people then it, I think if you were to do it as a team exercise then there's value because at least you're starting to try to well, put labels on things and try to see the differences you're trying it's it's almost like doing like a well doing like a wine tasting or some sort of tasting where you're like so, okay try this yeah. what do you think of that do you see how this is different you know so at least you're trying to find those two points on that um if you do it as a team, I think the training has to be more in depth than we sometimes allow, uh, mm. because there's a lot mm. to it, right? And then yeah. on top of it, again, it goes back to okay, so we took whatever kind of training on it. How are we using it on the floor? How are we using yeah. it in our department? Or was it just well, a fun that, team exercise we did? No, and, and I, I really feel like that that second part, that how are we using it, that gets lost a lot in translation. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody can, really says, okay, and you can, and let's practice. Well, you know, we I think when we were doing it for sales a little bit, though, we were seeing, um, I think you, Gibbs, you and me in Michigan, we might have, I don't think we did DISC, but we did something up there. We were kind of doing live scripting, so we were seeing some playthrough, but um a- anyhow yeah I-, I feel like that second part is is overlooked far too often yeah I, you yeah know, a couple of my experiences with it though is you know from a from a learner perspective like being in sales it was one of the things that really made me successful and actually i'm gonna throw out a different test uh, on here that we did uh back when i was in pharmaceutical sales was life languages same thing there's seven or nine of them and it's basically same thing from a category perspective 
But where it was really good in that environment and it helped me tremendously is it was an easy way to pick up on clues to who you're talking to. Because, you know, in a pharmaceutical sales type environment, your average call is maybe five minutes and you're in a mm-hmm. hallway and you're walking by somebody. So you're you're calling and you're pitching your drug very, very quickly. And so you're looking for any clue you can get to help your sale. And so we, we use that a lot. And I will say it was a game changer once I could pick up those clues. Now, then you have to go past that because sometimes the clue is wrong and you still need to be an inspector and then find out what your customer really needs. But it can give you a clue of where to tailor your presentation really quick. When you, when you say like a clue, like you see, you, you learn that like the doctor maybe drives a BMW and you say, hey, wouldn't it be terrible if something bad happened to your BMW? Like that sort of <laughs> leverage? Is that what you're I would look, I, You could, but I, I would be looking more of how, how they carry themselves and how they act in the world so like certain doctors would be so focused on the data well you know in a disc world that's a high c right and then you know some certain doctors are just really fast like hey what do you got what do you got what's going on blah 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 and i would match that and knowing that they were super kinetic type of doctor i needed to go very very quickly i could instantly match my presentation style to suit them and so i would identify where are they at what are they looking for and try to kind of mirror what my presentation would go down. If somebody was really in the data, I'm pulling out my package insert, going through some of the different um, contraindications and different things. Part of the difference, uh, two things about that, because you are a certified trainer, et cetera, it's, it's easier for you because you've studied it and experienced it and trained it, et cetera. So it's easier for you to identify those things etc um but a lot of times when when we do it it's not like how we know it so you know and that can get a little scary sometimes especially Mm -hmm. where you know where one of the big things about the personality assessments um maybe not from an HR recruiting perspective, maybe because, you know, it's mm-hmm. how much weight do they put on it in regards to whether yeah, or not they it. think it should hire you or not. But I also think, you know, when it, when they don't understand it well enough, it falls very easily into stereotyping. Absolutely. So, you know, a primary example that, you know, I, I, I gave this to, you know, former company I worked for to a bunch of managers and, gave it to their salespeople and everything. And the, and this was a higher level manager. So kind of VP level, SVP type of level. And when they got done with the training and this person actually looked at me, honestly got true with me, he looked at me, he goes, can you give, print out that test of mine for everybody uh, on my team? So they know how to, they know how to, who I am and how I act. I'm like, you're kind of missing the point, man. And he, he <laughs> Can wanted you tell everybody... the world how to change to fit my needs, <laughs> yeah. please? Um, he was a horrible leader, um, no, needless that. to say. And he actually <laughs> was an absolutely horrible leader. But he, he was like, since you know people don't get me, here, pass this out. And it was like, you're missing the point. It was, it was, he, he didn't look introspective and say, Hey, here's some of my tendencies because everybody has those tendencies. So mm-hmm. that's one thing of using it wrong. And then I will say, I've also seen that we put too much emphasis on the testing. And so like, for example, Dan, it sounds like your company didn't because we're looking at your tests specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, right. They, they ended up 
hiring you, but there's a lot of things in there that didn't score very well. And they could no, have there's just, some real bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. And they could have just cut it out and saying, Hey, the, you're not the right person and put too much on there. We're, you know, we're doing a podcast right now. And I find it really interesting that they said your communication skills, you don't do a good job of making topics accessible. I mean, that's like yeah. a natural well, talent for so, you. And th- this is, you know, you hit the nail on the head by saying, what weight do they put on this? Um, and, <laughs> and and luckily, they they put just enough because uh, if they put any more, this would have gone a completely different direction. Um, you know, and I'd be probably, uh, I don't know, h- hanging out in a shelter somewhere. But, but just- they put a lot of weight <laughs> on the references we gave you. They did. They did. (laughs) And that's what baffled her the most because she's like, I don't understand because the the interviews like I I interview fairly well. And, um, you know, if if you can get me in the room, I'm I'm mildly engaging. And uh, and then the references, you you two uh, fine folks were my references. And uh, and they're like, I just don't get it. I don't see this. So here, just real quick, I'm going to cover a couple of the couple of the high notes, couple of the low notes in here. Um, Abstract reason ability was a 16%. So I, you know, I, I don't even know what that means. I mean, there's a definition above it. I'm not going to bore everybody by reading it, but there, there were some things in this, in this questionnaire. And this, again, this was a caliper uh, personality assessment where um, I had to answer. It was about 45 minutes. I think again, one of the most stressful uh, periods of time in my life where uh, I was given a phrase and then I was given, you know, um, four different basically reactions to that. And I had to pick the one that aligned with me the most. That was most of it. And then there was another part that almost had a collection of maybe six different little shapes or objects. And then there were four different options that were other collections of shapes and objects. And it's like, okay, based on the first one, which one of these other ones the most like it? It's like, none of them. None of them do. Each of the pictures look like death. Yeah. <laughs> well, there wasn't another option. There wasn't. I couldn't. I couldn't add something in. But I, I think that's where my abstract reasoning fell to shit. Uh, what else do I have here that's real good? So ego drive. Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, seven. Or no, eighty six percent ego driven. Now I'm not saying it's inaccurate. It just it doesn't look good on paper. That's all. No. Um, I, 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 I'm I'm focused right now on your adaptability. Adaptability. Seven percent on adaptability. Seven. Where's it? Are you sure it's adaptability? It's Where on page four. Page four. Page four. I think that's somebody else's. Hang on. Oh, yeah. That's definitely somebody else. <laughs> well, no, because they give you like a lot of... Uh, hang on. Well, I'm pretty page sure it's yours. For the following... <laughs> oh, yeah. Hang on. That is mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. From what I know so about yeah. you, it is you. <laughs> that's yeah, an, the you adaptability is pretty low. Yeah, no, that's not good. So, yeah, I just jumped right to the bottom because... Um, why not? Because there's more numbers there. But yeah, that's not a good one. So uh, empathy, also a real, real downer. That's 4%. So that's that's almost my lowest with the exception of sociability, which is at 2%. Uh, so what so, was the quality focus that you s- scored marginally well on? Quality focus? What do we got here? So I think that has to do with uh, maybe thoroughness? I don't know. Yeah, attention to detail. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. quality processes. There's a couple things in there that came through fairly well. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean... Quality focus, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, that makes sense. I, but, okay, so aggressiveness, uh, 78%. Uh, but, 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 yeah, that's not good. So so super aggressive, uh, super ego-driven with zero empathy, uh, six on this, this particular page, 6% flexibility and 2% sociability. That does not a good teammate make. You know no, I mean? no. I, I think it's it's kind of summed up at the bottom there, highlighted. That just says asshole. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, we've been trying that. to tell you this, but you know that's when you worked yeah. with us. Wow. Well, I'll see. Then I, I didn't listen. Then I don't listen now. I guess. But, no, uh, but yeah. They... So I don't know this. And I, I got to tell you. So when I took this test, I was I was stressed out and I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, then I get the job, great. My first week on the job, I'm talking with my boss. I'm like, hey, whatever happened with that personality assessment? And, uh, and she says, oh, well, maybe this is a good time to talk about it. <laughs> so then we, we kind of we go into it a little bit. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes. Wow. Um, but it just it, – it really, really irked the hell out of me because I damn near lost a good job because I happened to take this assessment at a, at a particularly stressful time in my life. Yeah. And if people put too much weight on this, you're losing out on potential opportunities out there. And, you know, I, I think I think it's maybe just the diversification of the way that you assess an employee, a potential employee, um, and, and you just – I don't know. Don't take these things yeah, too you, seriously. You know, I, I, I tend to agree with you, Dan. You know, and I've seen that. You know, when I've administered tests or, or talked to people, their home life—if they take a test at home—it can sometimes change the results of their work life because people act different sometimes at work because they're trying to adapt and they take the test with different mindsets. And so a really good test, and this kind of goes back to what Gibbs was talking about, like the free tests, good tests should be able to sniff that out, right? So they should be able to kind of go and adapt to how you're answering questions. So you're not gaming the system, right? I've done it enough now. I'm, I can pretty much game the system on a lot of these tests. Like some of the ones where they're asking crazy words that I don't even know what the word definition is. Yeah. Those I don't really get because I'm like, I barely know the word that you're you're talking about. It's like, right, conspicuous versus, you know, inconspicuous. And it's like, wait, wait, hold on. Which is it? And but I will say I've seen people's test results change depending upon the state of mind, where they're at, how they're taking it and the stress of their life um, yeah. in, in different positions. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so. Any, anyways, I, I don't know. Uh, either of you guys have anything you want to just throw out about personality assessments, uh, or, or should we move on to the next topic at hand? Okay, I thank think, you. Uh, yeah, I think we're really a resounding good. move there. Yeah, and I think we should we should pull them back, and we can talk about uh, my PI one later. So there's yeah, a whole thing on management style. So oh, you guys can you want to hear that for a couple minutes? Sure. You want to hear? You want to hear some management style? So, all right. There's uh, there's a couple bullets here. So let's see. The first one, Adam will be as a manager of people or projects, broadly focused. His attention is on where he's bringing his team and what goals he wants them to achieve, rather than on specifics of how they will get there. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Strongly focused on cohesion, communication, morale, and team accomplishments. He achieves his goals through them and with them. That was area of development no these are just i this is how i will be <laughs> oh 
Well, why, why do you say oh, that? There's silence on that one. Okay. Um, that's, <laughs> are, wait, wait, are these the things you suck at? Is that, is that just, the, good, yeah, the good ones? Um, how about comfortable delegating authority? He is eager to discuss his ideas with others and amenable to changing his mind. I, I agree with the first statement. I, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And we've been haunted by three dots on a PowerPoint slide for far too long. <laughs> uh, the instructional designers who are listening to this, I, I will tell you that is gold. Put three no, dots on a PowerPoint is absolute gold. It's garbage. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> flexible and working with different kinds of people. And, 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 and my yeah. favorite, and, and this is the last one. Are there one. scores we'll on these, like dance? No, this is just these are two. Just, this is the summary. Um, the last one, and we'll just we'll just leave the predictive index as one of my favorite ones. Engaging, enthusiastic, confident wow. in his ability to persuade okay. others towards his point of view. Oh wait, so hang on. I just want to touch. So confident in his ability to persuade others. Yeah. Towards that, my I, point of view. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll, I'll, I agree. I'll agree with that. You part. are confident in that. Yes. Yeah. Now that doesn't have any bearing on us are actually able to do it. But no. you're confident in that fact. Well, I'm confident. Well, like I always say, he can he can sell people boogers. So yeah, that's you know that's that's gross. And <laughs> the, <laughs> the I, I always but, love but asking. If people. You I used sell to do a person boogers. You're pretty damn good at being persuasive. I guess. Oh God, why you gotta go to boogers? <laughs> We're all grown ups here. <laughs> um. I was gonna say you, you couldn't couldn't you do like the 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 selling uh, ketchup popsicles, but you can't say anymore. You can't do that. I probably have to bleep that. See, so mine's you totally appropriate. I should make fun of Germans in the episode. You can't talk about us. We've gotta just start. You gotta pick one and everything out. Yeah, <laughs> pick, pick pick one group. out. <laughs> Lots of edit. Um, uh, well, okay. I was going to say something, but let's just deal with it. Let's move on. And I've got one thing I want to touch on, and I'm going to. We want to try to do this quick, and then we're going to jump into virtual sessions for a few minutes, and probably just read my poem a bunch more times. But um, I have I have a quick question for, and this is this is a can training fix it, and I'm not going to say uh, this was a um, a listener submission, but I was talking with a listener, and. Um, and this person has a listener uh, of most be learning or a listener of you <laughs> both i guess <laughs> um but but they're always on the lookout for people that have really bad uh, that, that that are really bad parkers they can't park to save their lives so you got a whole row of cars sitting there right and then one of them is like four feet out in front of all the other cars with about six feet of, of space in the back of the spot um, so, so let me ask you guys, and, and actually I have, I have a, a, a job aid of sorts here that can walk us through this. It, um, it has to do with, is training the right solution? So, so the questions, and, and you've probably seen these before, does the person have the skill? So if there's a problem, we got to look at the situation and say, does the person have the skill? Uh, do they have the will to do the thing properly? And are they allowed to do it? Is there some sort of systemic hindrance to them doing it? Um... Like so, a disability? So okay, I guess it's possible, yeah. <laughs> but 
so usually bigger spots, so it's a little bit maybe easier to get into them. Um, <laughs> the no, I meant like when I mean like a systemic hindrance, I mean like the the it, we ha we have to have this person fill out a report, but their user access doesn't let them get to that report, so they're not going to be able to do it in a million years because the system won't let them do it. Um, so what do you guys think? Bad parking jobs is it maybe a job aid that could be placed on somebody's windshield to help them out with this? What, what do we think? No, I'm not gonna do it. You're not gonna do it? Like, well, I'm no, not saying no, you I'm have to put a good. you have to put a nasty gram on somebody's. Oh no, windshield. no, no! I'm, I'm just, just saying... not gonna park good. Have you ever seen how I drive? Like, I, I'm just. I, it, you can train me all I day have... long. I mean, I am. The, I watch TV while I drive. It's, I'm going to park sideways. It's so that's a terrible admission. But um, <laughs> so, so do they have the skill? So, okay, let's take you as an example, as an admittedly poor parker. Um, do you have the skills in your possession to park properly? I do. Okay. So um, I think, too, it, it's based on practice. Because, you know, I spent my 20s in San Francisco. And all you do in San Francisco is you parallel park. So I was really good at parallel parking. I okay. cannot do it today to save my life. So if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, if so you don't use it, you lose it. And I have an even smaller car than I had in San Francisco. Um, but I think it's I I think yeah, you can train it and train it, but the the motivation isn't there. I mean, and for me, well, I, well, it certainly I, sounds like that with our other co-host here. He's well, not I'm, properly motivated yet. I'm not properly yeah. motivated, but no, I will say the minivan. I can't park it at all. Like we have to go back. I got to get the cameras going, and like it's a freaking mess, man. The whole thing—it's just too big. A small car. Yeah, and I, and I struggle backing it. up into my garage. Like my kid laughs at me the whole time. That sounds distracting. <laughs> Never backed up in my garage. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah, well, I don't have a backup camera, so. Yeah. But backing into into a parking space or even backing into my garage is not. So you drive a Jeep, though. I figured a Jeep would be a slam dunk for it parking. It would, but That's, you know, like it's you're, not. You're up high, you got great visibility. Again, it's not a priority. It's not a priority, so I'm not going to take the time to be good at it. So this yeah, is, the, this is we, not a training Jeep, solution. Though. With a Jeep, you can just park on... I mean, you can park on the curb and you're good. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> the world is her parking spot. It's true. There you go. We'll just so, draw the lines around the car. Yeah, so... And I am okay. one of those people who's, like, just come to the conclusion of, you know, I'm I'm not a great driver. And I'm going to go okay. with no. To answer your question, no. Is that the right uh, answer? This is... I, I, I really... You know, I'm not always rooting for training to be the solution, but I'm I'm disappointed. This is a, this is a this is a sad moment. It depends moment for on me. the person, right, and their motivation to become a better driver. For me and Adam, we don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Unless you put it in a nano learning format, I'm not gonna listen to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me hang on. Let me. I'm, I'm driving down the, down the down the highway. Let me pull up this little uh, TikTok training video tutorial. So I can park the properly. Future, so you it's two are are too young to remember that show Mork and Mindy, right? Well, I know of it. And, and it's kind of funny because yeah. when you say nano, that's what Mork used to say. Nano, nano. <laughs> Wasn't it nanu? I think it was nanu. Same thing. Just depends where you're from. Canada or America. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Or if you're <laughs> British, it'll be nano. I'm not sure you got that quite right. 
but I'm willing to roll with it. Okay, so not a training solution to people who pour, uh, who pork poorly. No, people who park poorly. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how we can fix the other one. So let's move right along then to, uh, to virtual sessions. And, uh, what I, what I kind of wanted to talk about on this one, Adam, I know you had some thoughts and, and Gibbs, you can, you can kind of follow the bouncing ball here because I know you'll have some, uh, some ideas. Um, what are, what are the really shitty things that can happen in a virtual training session? How can they go off the rails? How can, maybe they just leave you really sad at the end of it. Like you turn everything off, you power down and you just sit there for a minute and you just sit and you stew in how much it sucked. Um, so, so, so what sort of experiences do the three of us have when, when we've hosted virtual sessions that, um, that have either gone awry or, or retrospectively, we realized that something zigged when it should have zagged. What, 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 uh, what memorable moments come up for you guys? Adam, I know you had a couple of them, so why don't you start do. us going here? So, so this is not one that I hosted, but it's probably one of the worst virtual sessions. Now, it was all going to be audio. There wasn't going to be any video, um, done on it. But the uh, consultant who was doing the session, and this was, they were going to do some sales training, and they had roughly 300, 400 people dialing in, and they could not figure out, and they obviously did not have somebody else who was running the show, they could not figure out how to meet the line. And so, next thing you know, everybody's coming on this line, and they're salespeople, they're they're not going to meet their lines. And so, the conductor the person that was going to be facilitating this webinar couldn't figure it out could not i don't know exactly what they were doing but i'm on the line and i'm hearing background noise then all of a sudden a bunch of salespeople they're laughing and, and there's several hundred people on the phone people are like this is a waste of time hanging up getting mad it was pure calamity and it was, it was very embarrassing but couldn't figure out how to actually use the tool effectively for the webinar and it was brutal um so that was one that kind of sticks out into my mind so it's a couple other ones that just really stick out to my mind that kind of really kind of grind my gears is people that are starting late you know waiting for the people and then saying and taking their audience and going and i've seen i actually see this i've been guilty of it in the past years ago years and years ago of Hey guys, it's three o'clock. We're just going to wait a couple more minutes so everybody who chose to come in late can join this call. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you basically insult all the people who joined up on time and got there, stopped what they were doing to join your session and said, Hey, you know what? You don't matter. We're going to wait for those five stragglers because they didn't show up. And that's just a pet peeve. And it's kind of one of the worst case scenarios that I see that's being done. Um, and I'm going to give one more and then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of open it up is I've also been on calls where the line just dies because, you know, these are good, a lot of times done with VO, VO, what was it, VOIP or over the internet and people will do them from home and do them from different places and the facilitator is just gone. And so that's something that I've been part of also. They were just gone? Wait, gone. Run that? Yeah, just gone. Just say, you know, mm. just disconnected. And oh, so, right, right, right. yeah, disconnected. You know, that one's a lot of uh, out of people's control, right? Like, it's out of control if the internet dies. But it's one of those things where, hey, it, it's bad. Like, if you don't have a co pilot and you don't have anybody with you, 
what happens to the class. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Actually, I've had uh, Gibbs as my co-pilot a couple times. Uh, I think I have a bumper sticker that says that Gibbs is my co-pilot. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, she pulled my bacon out of the fire. There, well, there was one time specifically that I was doing a um, – your uh, all your sales folks there in like the Arizona area on the outside sales team. Uh, we were doing a session specifically for them, and I had to. I think it was like I, I took my laptop off and went and docked somewhere else, mm. and then Windows just went like does not compute and just freaking died. And just like I could not resurrect my machine. It was driving me nuts. And I think it was about eight minutes in that um, that I actually finally got rebooted in a different location and was able to join the call that I was supposed to be hosting. And the only reason that I think it survived it. I don't know. Cynthia, do you remember that at all? I'm like, I thought Cynthia Cynthia dropped right there. I thought the internet just went out. No, I'm just like, (laughs) what is he talking about? (laughs) No, well, maybe you weren't then. Maybe maybe I was just able to kind of text or communicate with with somebody else that kind of just, you know, did a little soft shoe number to keep everybody warmed up there. I I don't know. But it was was rough because there's nothing worse than knowing that there are people getting angry at you and you are trying like hell to, to get past it. It's like you are actively disappointing people, and it sucks so hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think one of the other ones is you know where technology fails, and people can't get their audio working, or they can't. That seems to come up all the time. I can't hear you, and they're typing frantically in in, yeah. in the chat box. I can't hear you. I can't hear what you're saying. And it's like yeah, and well, you're so, trying and- to work it, and they can't figure it out. Gibbsy? So, is it my turn? Um, it's at your turn whenever you want so it to be a, your turn, man. Just jump in. The water's I warm. think for me, I, I mean, when we were talking about this week, about talking about the worst case scenarios and technology failed you, um, I've probably only been doing virtual training for, what, two years? Um, been mm-hmm. doing all kinds of other training and facilitation and presentations for the last, since freaking 1997 so for me that's back when pluto was still a planet i know that's messed up right Uh, (laughs) i graduated college that year Uh, Uh, that's an inside joke you missed it (laughs) i know because you don't watch tv (laughs) that's right um so for me it's like uh, for me it's like i've just kind of been like crap happens so you just move along and don't freak out about it and do what you need to do right oh i think you have to well what i have to do is freak out about that shit because that's the only way that the only way that i am comfortable doing that stuff going forward is when i know that there are loose ends that screwed me in the past that i have 100 percent tied them in the future yeah that's the only way i want to turn that thing back on again and i guess i maybe it's me i'm just confident in myself where it's like uh whatever because i have literally had and this takes it back and i'm going a little bit into instructor-led training but i've literally had you know uh um where you know videotapes weren't working to where i used to do the transparencies right with the vice vice pens like that's how and that whole thing i used probably a hundred transparencies in the eight hour class and the bulb ran out 
and there was no other way to do it. So I just I traded on my things. own and created things on my flip chart. And I think I've just always been like, what it, you know, shit's going to happen and just be okay with it and move along for me. And so, um, you have me, the same policy around your parking skills, I think, yeah. though. So, so I don't know I if don't that's know. the bar we I guess, I guess for me, I don't freak out about things like that anymore. Um, because it's just what? like, it's what happens, but I will, you know, from a personal standpoint, uh, thinking about virtual sessions, because, you know, for a time, Sarah was training six a day. And it was a little mm. crazy and stuff. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a little bit crazy. But I will tell you a, a transition that was, you know, probably was harder for me than anything else was when you left. Because mm. you and I just kind of had the whole HGTV show, right? The Or the Home Shopping Network show where we yeah. just got on. We had the whole you know show the whole abbott and costello show and whatever um and people loved it and well it it was so we we were we were each other's safety net too though when it came to technology like if your mic wasn't on or you were muted or i was muted we would be able to quickly call each other out yeah whereas if you have your audience all muted and you are muted because god knows i've done that more than once Uh um and it's such a freaking rookie mistake and i oh it's still inevitably happens because I'll mute myself to cough and then I'll hmm, kind of mm-hmm. screw around over here for a second. Then I just keep going. And then I, I, I've been talking for three minutes and somebody finally throws in chat. Are you talking? I can't hear anything. Yeah. Like, God damn it. I was talking. <laughs> well, and I think for me where, I mean, cause there's been times when I thought I, the slide deck was showing and it wasn't. And oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm already on deck six. What, why didn't you people tell me? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I think what was no, hard that's, was that's, that's always a bummer. Be, yeah, what was hard was once you left, the whole dynamic of the class changed, and mm. the whole like it it was like I had to rebuild the audience again. You know, it was yeah. almost it, and it was kind of weird because you know there were some people like maybe we were in week four or five with them, and and you had moved back to Canada, so I still had three weeks with some of these people, three four weeks with these people, and it was almost like they were grieving with me. It was it was. Well, that's not going <laughs> that far. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was no, a big I, loss, no, that's, but uh, you're just feeding the ego. This is just you know. Go yeah, back but, to it, the I mean, but the whole <laughs> it was just different, right? Like I had to. Yeah. Like, I was the one having to push it all on my own. I was the one that was mm-hmm. trying to get them interact all on their own. Now, um, why wasn't Adam your co-host? Adam, why didn't you jump in and help out? Come on. Oh, she never invites me. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and so that was probably the toughest. I mean, I mean, all the other crap, yeah, it's going to happen, whatever. You just deal and move on because yeah. it happens. But that was just, it was just a weird dynamic after that for a little bit where, you know, it's almost like I had to learn how to do it all on my own again. Um, and make stupid jokes you, on my own. <laughs> they, and they're not as hard when you don't have a foil there. Absolutely. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, do, have either of you said anything on Mike in a webinar that you probably should not have or, or that you immediately regretted? 
I haven't said anything that I've immediately regretted besides mostly on this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, this is bad. Uh, no, but you know, I have a, I have a really good learning, and I, Dan, I've told you this story before. Um, you know, I, I was getting ready to do a simulated live webinar mm-hmm. and so we were going to record it with one of the heads of the channel so uh, an executive uh, also had a guest speaker on there and myself and we had an external audience from the company so it even had to have more kids gloves and we're all ready we got our video cameras up and we're ready to go and it was going to be simulated live and so we were going to take that video and then make it like it was a live webinar down the road for audiences so they would never know the difference and I was just going to MC it. I was going to host it and say, hey, this is Dan and Cynthia, you know, from Calvar Home Loans, and we're going to get going, and we're excited to have you, yada, yada, yada. Let me answer your questions. Let me kick it off. Let me turn it over to here and play the host. And I'll ready to do that. Piece of cake to do the intro. And right before the call, Right before, I mean, we're talking one minute before. Hey guys, looking forward to the call. Just remember, we're doing simulated live. Don't say good morning, good afternoon. Don't say anything that, you know, is going to give the date, the time. Well, I totally froze up at that point because I'm like, okay, we turned it on and all of a sudden I go, good morning. Totally lost my train of thought at that point because all I could remember is don't say good morning, don't say good afternoon, make sure you don't say this. Right before I saw, I stumble through and it literally came out of good morning. This this is Dan and Cynthia. Cynthia, he's she's really good. Um, Cynthia, can you take (laughs) it away? It was bad. (laughs) Can you dig me out of this place quickly? I totally could not speak and was stuttering through lost my entrada thought of their their titles what they do yeah. i'm like they're really good and it, i mean it was absolutely horrible no the yeah. good part what's that well go ahead the good part what's the good part the good part is because <laughs> it was simulated live i edited all that uh, out in the beginning yeah. and it was like hey how you doing and blah, blah, blah. but yeah. it was brutal and luckily we only had about 60 people on the line uh, which is a eh, pretty decent audience at that point. Yeah, the bad. the people I was working with were pros. They were they weren't there to see me anyway. Yeah. Absolutely embarrassing. But my key learning from it is every time I kick off a call, I write down my verbiage specifically to. And even when I prep for presentations, I don't do this. But when I prep for webinar calls, I script my intro. For at least the first couple lines, so I don't do that again, and I can Maybe get that chain of thought of once I get going. For the countdown, for the uh, you know, I, I figured we would know the the numbers that that come in sequence <laughs> from five through to one. You'd think people know these numbers. <laughs> But uh, maybe this is okay. Right. This is a good idea. I'm going to include them in the show notes going forward, nice. um, just to help us sing along there. Uh, that yeah, that that definitely. Um, Man, I, I think I think part of that comes from not establishing a rhythm or mm-hmm. uh, or or some sort of general pattern beforehand, uh, and, and waiting for the final curtain to come up. I think that's a big part of it. There were the reason I was asking, of course, because I I knew what I wanted to tell you when I asked that question. It was a dirty little secret of mine. But uh, there were there were two instances where, if, if you can imagine this, there have been times where I've opened my mouth and immediately regretted it. Um, no. 
No, it's true. It's true. Oh. This is this is a problem I may have. But uh, one of them, I was on a call. We were doing, uh, we called uh, my, my old shop. Uh, we did what we called welcome calls. You get a new kind of a client. You know, the, you get the sales rep on the line. You mm-hmm. get the client on the line. You give them a little song and dance, 15, 20 minutes. And it was mandatory as part of the process. You know, so the sales people, sometimes they were really excited and on board. And sometimes they're like, oh, we just got to check a box, whatever, man. Just come on. Just, just whatever. Uh, and so this one client, um, she was – she was – I'm going to say she was curt. She was probably kind of rude uh, and very dismissive of everything I tried to be helpful and show. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it was mandatory, so that's not super fun, but I'm trying to, like, make it a thing. And, okay, yeah, just, like, really, really rude. And uh, and as soon as the call was over, I, I started to talk to the, uh, the account executive, and uh, I used some very open language. And then after, like, the first three sentences, then I heard the click of the mm. other line hanging up. Mm. It was like, oh, god damn it. That never came back to bite, to bite me in the ass, thank goodness. Uh, and then there was only one other time, and this is while I was uh, working at Caliber, where I uh, I said the name of my old girlfriend. I was... <laughs> I was not my actual old girlfriend. Uh, my old, my old, uh, my old shop. I was, I was doing a webinar and I had, t- I had mentioned Flagstar <laughs> instead of, uh, instead of Caliber. And it was just like, oh, god damn. Um, and there was an ex, not an executive, like a, a mid tier executive also on that call at the same time. I was like, oh boy. That was <laughs> that was regretful. And so what I did after that was I wrote a little post-it note with the company name in mm-hmm. and, and I put it on my so not I guess not unsimilar from what you did. I put it on the monitor and every time we're if you were to like throw an uh into a sentence before you say something, I would just there would be a little pause there. I'd look down at the note and I'd say caliber. Um, and, and it worked, it worked, it, it, it took a while to smooth it out, but it worked. I did the same thing when, uh, I, I went from AmeriQuest mortgage to household beneficial and H, yeah. it was HFC at the time. And cause we were making a hundred dollars a day and you just get in that rhythm yep. and it's like, Hey, it's Adam from Ameri HFC. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I had to, I had to write myself a little note. Um, yeah. you know, Dan, I, I want to ask you. Is you know one of the things that you do from a stylistic perspective, you you mm. talk on virtuals like we're having a conversation. So do you yeah. ever do you ever worry about things like language going into a corporate environment, or do you ever worry about that polish of you know need to be corporate when we do a webinar? What are your thoughts on some of that? I I do what I do until I'm coached otherwise. Eh. Um, so. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not like I just started doing this, this webinar thing, you know, that was one of the first things that I had to do. And, and I was one of the guys that, uh, in my very first webinar, I think it was about 10 minutes after the hour where the person that was there to make sure I didn't say anything wrong. They finally said, we don't have to wait for everybody. We should probably start. Um, so, so I've been doing it for a while and yeah, I just, I start casual, you know, you, I don't know, you, you mind your P's and Q's. You gotta, you gotta watch the audience a little bit too, internal versus external. But generally I have found that more casual conversation is more appropriate. And I really, 
have taken a lot of my patter, I think, from uh, from a particular radio show that I grew up with. That is is just they they are the beacon of what I think good radio was, and that's well, what I try to. No, <laughs> no the 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 Green Lantern. No, um, no. There was a show in in Detroit, Drew and uh, Drew and Mike, yeah. and and they were. Uh, they were a, ra- a morning radio show for 20, 25 years in the, in the Detroit market, and then they kind of they 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 lost the contract, and then they kind of went different ways, and they've rebooted as a podcast. But I really do take a lot of the conversational tone because the hosts have a dialogue with each other, but then they also have a dialogue with the audience, and they exclusively have a one way platform that still keeps people engaged. And here we are in a webinar anyways, with a two way platform, because you have, there's always something coming back. Um, but why don't you just take the thing that we know already works and make it better? You know, I've never cared for the very scripted, informal, uh, very, very structured language. It's like, we're all freaking people. Can we just talk like we're all freaking people? And of course, you don't say, like, I wouldn't be that casual on a, on a, on a webinar, a podcast, maybe, but not a webinar. But, um, no, I really try to make it conversational and enjoyable. And that I think goes uh, a long way to, uh, to getting goodwill with the audience so that when you do screw up, they're willing to be forgive, uh, forgiving about that. That's so, yeah, I, um, and I think there's been in my history, very little feedback, you know, and I've probably gotten more casual. I've gotten better at navigating those waters. Uh, cause it's like I said, I've been doing about seven years, but, um, I've gotten more casual to a point. But I've gotten very, very little feedback. I got when I first started at Morgard here, I got a bit of feedback from uh, from two tiers up. But it was it was more of a, hey, this is the new guy. Let's just kind of make sure he's running point on these things or or clean this up. But, you know, it was my first it was my first webinar there. So there was there was a couple of that first day jitter sort of stuff that I was getting out uh, and kind of working out there. But um, no, it's just I don't know. I, I find I find casual always a better way to go. Like unless unless it's a a, a freaking uh, retirement savings commercial, there, I don't think there's any reason to be overly scripted in life. Yeah. And I I tend to agree. I think there's times. I mean, obviously, if you're in if you're in front of executive leadership, and from that point, I say like VB VPs or DVPs or. Um, RVPs or, you know, obviously uh, CEOs, etc. The professionalism is going to be, it's going to be much more formal, etc. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I find that people tend to, um, from frontline employees, probably up to, you know, uh, frontline managers or, or probably AV, possibly AVPs is like, if the more I'm conversational with them, the more I'm down to earth with them, the quicker they feel safe in their environment and the quicker they yeah. trust me uh, and are engaged in what I want to teach them. See, I, I would I would push back a little bit on that. I was going to push back a little bit on that also. Well, you Go push ahead. back first and then I'll, I'll okay. see how much yeah. I want to push. <laughs> I might push back against the pushback. We'll see how this oh, goes. We'll see how it goes. No, I, I actually think you can. You, I think it should be conversational one hundred percent of the time. Um, and now, I do. I think as you go up different levels, you you may change some of your engagement factors. Like 
I wouldn't necessarily put CEOs and say, hey, guys, I want you to put your hands on the keyboard and fill out a polling question. That's the same thing I said, though. Exactly no, but what I, you're I, saying. I, no, I'm talking about tone versus I'm talking about maybe some activities of if they were going through a, a, a training course, right? So, you know, like our executives have to go through a training course um, just from a compliance perspective. If I'm giving the compliance course, which we all compliance and um, from there, but you know, if we're going to give that to the, the high level executives, I'm not even going to try to make a lot of activities with it because they were just trying to get it done. And now, but I can still be conversational. I'm talking from a tone and how I talk because I still think that we're going to be more engaged with it. I think that you should be that way really with every call and every, every, every different thing, unless you're going on like CNBC or broad, you know, C-SPAN. And I guess we got to be a little bit more formal. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> I, I have always been under the impression that executives don't do training. They just make the admins do it. That's Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, they, and that's why they get pissed when yeah. they have to do the compliance training. But yeah. Think, well, so but yeah, the, that, the admin gets to do it twice. Uh, so. uh, not, I think when we're doing leadership training, sure, yeah, it needs to be conversational. But the deck is a little more formal. If we're doing presentations to executives, it's a little more formal. Not that we can't be conversational, but your deck that you build for leadership is going to look different than a deck you make for someone for call center. And that's what I mean. Yeah, Yeah, but so, but that, that might be more around demographic lines than role. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. No. No. What do you mean? Do we talk? Well, I mean, if you've got some, if you've got. (laughs) Be careful. <laughs> Someone that's old as dirt. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I think if you have an older audience set, like sixty plus, let's say sixty plus, um, you're not going to have the same set of jokes for them that you would as as so someone that's working at a call center. You know, you certainly can have sixty plus year old people working in call centers, but that's probably more people that are going to be twenty to thirty that are in for the grind. You know, in for a good time, and that's that's usually more of like a, a wild sort of environment. So, um, I, I think I think it's more of a demographic thing than it is a. Uh, well, I think I think maybe it has got to be both. Um, because you've got the demographic, but then you've got the self-imposed selection into that role as well. Uh, so you just make it more sensible. I, I don't know. I, I think conversational tone is the only way to go. On uh, like what? Unless you're talking about fatalities in in you know warehouse incidents, well, and then maybe you can still chat about it. You know, I, I, don't I know. think you have to know your audience. And honestly, sure, you no, have to know uh, your you audience go. because yeah. your audience in a call center is going to be different than your audience that works at um, that works in HR, which is also going to be yeah. different than your audience that yeah. works in sales. Um, so, so I can get behind that, Gibbs. I, I, I think knowing your audience is, is, is the key, right? You need to know what your audience like. Like I would approach it even from, from if you can, right? So you, sometimes you can't customize training towards an audience, but, you know, I may approach a sales audience different than I approach a analyst audience, mm-hmm. right? Um, I may not, you know, do the sales side. I may, it may not be as high energy, which kind of goes back to what we started with, with like personality profiles talking about, you know, do you customize your personality as a tools in your tool belt? And I, I think things like personality profiles and personas of your audience 
it's the same type of thing. If you know your audience, you know their personality, if you can custom tailor your process to it and how you're speaking and how you're engaging with them, you're going to have better training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, because if you can build that relationship right away. Um, and so here's another thing. If, if you have people coming in and you are not friendly and totally formal and try to come across as I am the authority in this classroom, then you're not going to get them as engaged as quickly. But if you're more welcoming and you're more like, hey, how's it going, etc., they are you are going to be quicker to earn their respect and for them to to do the expectations you have in the class because you are relatable and because mm-hmm. you've made, put them at ease. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, to hopefully put our audience at ease, we are going to move along and just touch on really one or two quick things here. I wanted to just do a, a quick kind of favorite thing of the week, uh, maybe a good thing, if you will. It's a good thing. Uh, and and maybe this not is this something. Week. What? <laughs> What? It's been a long week for us. <laughs> yes. It is. Yeah, for you for you guys. For me, it's been less of a long week. Uh, I've just been trying to chase you guys to uh, look at show notes. But, um, <laughs> but you know. No. So, I, just something that maybe that we as, uh, you know, business professionals, L&D practitioners, anything that maybe we have a tool that we want to share. Uh, and this one, it's, it's simple, but I love it. It's something that I've been using a lot lately. You know, I've heard us joke in the past, maybe, about field notes, notes books that I've used a lot. I have used them. They're just, they're small. They fit in your pocket, but this is actually, I've, I've kind of progressed because I like to have a little bit more room to work with. So I'm actually using a, uh, like an eight by five, um, moleskin, just a, a flexible moleskin notebook with uh, graph up. paper on the inside. Yeah, no, I've graduated to, to big boy school now with big boy books. So it's, it's great. Uh, each page can fit a, a rather lengthy poem on it. So I'm just going to keep rolling with this bad boy and, and, uh, and see where it gets us. No, I, I love it though. It's a great book. And I know a lot of people use moleskins out there. Uh, a lot of people, I do some note take. I, I shouldn't say that. I do a lot of note taking in OneNote for when I'm brainstorming or expanding, uh, maybe outlines or something like that. But when it comes to meetings or just scribbling stuff down, uh, like an actual physical notebook is the only way to go for me because you can draw lines to different ideas much easier. Anyhow, I love I can't, it. I cannot get in the habit of using OneNote. You know, I try over and over and over again. Yeah. I, I always try. I, I'm going yeah. to put my notes in OneNote and I, I, and I get there. And next thing you know, I, I don't type anything in a meeting. And so I go back to my little notebook. Well, I, I just can't get in the habit of doing it. And for me, it's it's so funny because right now we have so many things going on. Like I have like five different spiral notebooks and I can't remember which one is for which one. And yeah. and so it, I, I think it's a sign. I don't really believe in signs. But um, so in the mail uh, the other day, and I haven't gotten one for years, honestly. I got a Franklin Covey planner catalog. Wow. And yeah, and so like even today, like I walked into a meeting and I had the wrong notebook and I'm like and so now I'm like, do I go back to my planner where everything is in one place, everything is in one area and it'll be situated on that day and I don't have five different notebooks going on because I feel kind of an organized. 
I think that's a good idea. I'm looking forward to uh, to a future good thing from you uh, and Franklin Covey. Yeah, my another uh, one of my old man crushes. A Gibbs Covey joint. Okay, so <laughs> that does look delicious. Uh, let's, ladies and gentlemen, move on to the end of things. If you want to uh, go to the show notes for this episode, uh, Mosby.ca/slash zero one zero. And if you want to send us an email, let us know. Maybe maybe you have a favorite thing. Let us know what that is. MosbyLearning at gmail.com. We check that. We get notifications, I think, if you if you send a message there. I, I don't know. Adam, let me know. <laughs> Do we get notifications <laughs> when people send stuff? Have you checked uh, it recently? I, I have not. Uh, you know, it oh, could be absolutely See, we have... All right, so that'll be, maybe we'll go through the mailbag next week. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, let us know if you've got a tool that you guys like use and you want to share with the rest of the world. Music for uh, what you heard today is from Incompetech.com. Kevin McLeod always does nice work there. Uh, Adam, where do you want people to get a hold of you? It's Adam Costix at LinkedIn. No, it's not. Yeah. That's no, it's not. Is that. <laughs> uh, you know, every week I have a hard time with that. I, I, I guess it's it's Adam. You need to script it. I his intro and outro. Everything else there in between. Go. People remember the two first things that we tend to always have a hard time with on this. It's adamcostics at gmail Okay, giving up the gmails. I love it. Gibbs, uh, what do you want to give away today? HTTPS colon. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm reading. It's on the outro. My LinkedIn address. <laughs> okay. So but it's Tubies. Just, just look me, her up, Tubies. Uh, Cynthia Lacuna Gibbs on e- on LinkedIn. It's, it'll show if you just type in Cynthia Gibbs. I'm the one that says Cynthia Lacuna Gibbs, and you can just inbox message me there. Yep, she's got a beautiful smile. Uh, you can find me as well, Dan Hurt H I R T. Uh, And that's it for us, ladies and gentlemen. We will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. The hosts have with each other, but then they also have with the audience. That's what we do at work, so. (laughs) Bye. That was ridiculous.